Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast, I feature Ukrainian figurative artist Alina Zemanova. Her practice encompasses painting and sculpture. She attended the University of the Arts London and Kiev National University of Technologies and Design. Her paintings are centered around the representation of modern reality, where women's bodies are embraced in all shapes and focused to portray their distortions without societal norms labeled on them. Being inspired by muses around the world, she draws from her own experience on the psychological level of upbringing to expose both physical and mental sides of humanity. She has had two solo exhibitions with the Gillian Jason Gallery in London in 2020 and 2021. In April 2019, she had a solo exhibition at Art Ramis Gallery in Kiev titled Ugly Game. Since 2012, Alina has participated in several group shows in New York, London, Paris, Hamburg, and Kiev. She has been featured in several publications that include Forbes, Time, ID, Vice, Glass Magazine, Garage Magazine, and many others, including Vogue, issued in New York, the UK, Ukraine, and Korea. She has collaborated with several brands, including Alexander McQueen and Revlon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast featuring Alina Zemanova. Alina, welcome to my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm delighted to feature you. Thank you for having me. It's uh, an honor because it's my first experience with the podcast. So I'm very honored to be on yours. Thank you. Thank you. I'm flattered. Let's begin by you sharing with us when you discovered your artistic passion. Yes, I think actually this uh, artistic passion was discovered mostly by my parents (laughs) around like 20 years ago when I was super young. (laughs) And uh, they gave me this um, incredible freedom of choice where I want to go, who I want to become. And I think I'll be forever grateful for this. I was enrolled in an art school, in a dance school, and put up to learn English on an advanced level since I was a kid. And this gave me, opened up a lot of doors, you know, for me in the future, which I didn't know at that time, of course. So it was incredible. Is there a particular artist, a visual artist that you recall being influenced by? Yeah, on uh, in Ukraine, when I was uh, growing up, we didn't have museums and art galleries so it could be a bit of a different upbringing from like upbringing in New York when you go and experience art since a young age or I hear a lot of artists uh, sharing their experience going to museums in London 
we didn't have this, but I was very deeply connected to, to the dance and also to the nature. So uh, that built up in me a lot of connection, you know, to discover new things all on a, on a daily basis. But the actual artist, artist, I remember having a deep connection with Egon Schiele when I saw his exhibition in London. At that time, I used to work in a more monochromatic way. And he brought up, again, the passion for me in color. And it's kind of, uh, it's kind of funny because I have this, like a flow of inspiration-wise and artists that comes in, in my life at the right moment and the right time. <laughs> and uh, it, is, it, it comes from Egon Schiele, then it goes to Jenny Saville. She brought a huge inspiration and influence on me regarding representation of women body in the painting and in the history. So that brought in interest for me to research more about female artists in the history, how they were underrepresented and um, the shift of the on the female gaze. So that which I'm still researching and learning as, as you might know, like we didn't have that much art history teaching in, uh, in an art school. It was mostly painting from life and, uh, anatomy learning and uh, at the moment deeply inspired by what Gechi Mutu mm. she is kind of like bringing back to me the realization of our connection to the nature and um, how our bodies are connected to the earth and the energy that it possesses it gives us the purpose of living so I'm, I'm deeply inspired by her at the moment as well Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate her work also. Mm -hmm. So when were you inspired to paint nudes and body parts? As, as far as I remember myself, it was always about women and about nature as well. Um, I used to be inspired by macabre and grotesqueness of a female body and life-death concepts. So when I went to university in London... I was uh, studying actually fashion illustration. And uh, as people get a stereotypical opinion, it's always about women. And uh, I never actually changed my direction since then, but it was always about women. And I used to look at myself and I used to look at my own experience as a woman in society. So it kind of started intertwining into the storytelling of uh, creating my paintings. Mm -hmm. So what, what overcomes you when you, when you start to paint or draw? Mm, it's this like a physical sensation of gratitude for life. <laughs> I don't know if, uh, if that makes sense. Like when you paint and the idea comes alive and we have this moment of realization, this is exactly how it's supposed to be. Sometimes it takes months and uh, sometimes I overpaint the same canvas three, four times to realize what story has to be told. But when it hits the moment, this is the most touching feeling, you know, in my body. Like I feel it with my whole body. That is the place where I have to be right now. That's amazing. <laughs> so you paint, you draw, and you also sculpt. Yes. Share with us what your, what your sculptures look like. Yeah. I started sculpting recently recently last year and I went 
went on to work with actually the clay that was sourced particularly uh, in the Ukrainian land uh, from the Carpathian Mountains. And it kind of had a trip, like uh, um, the clay came to Kiev, where I have a studio, then I worked on it, then it came back to Carpathian Mountain to be fired, and then it came back to me again. So I had this kind of lo- little trip around Ukraine to become alive. And I started using sculpture as a way of uh, finding my form and deform the body by, by my hands, by feeling the three-dimensional way of the body because obviously on the painting you see a two-dimensional characters. But by being able to make out these sculptures and create the characters live in a three-dimensional way and put them on my table, look around them, interact with them physically by the touch gave a new dimension into the painting as well. So they are kind of like a sketches for the next dimension of work. And in the meantime, I am trying to experiment more with the natural as well elements that I find in Ukraine to incorporate in my sculptures. So trying not to put too much limits, but I have uh, to deepen my knowledge into materials because I, I was never taught, taught about sculpture making, uh, about clay or bronze in the university. And I need to kind of educate myself a little bit on this uh, matter. So I am usually questioning with um, different other artists. I'm contacting them, trying to find out ways they are experimenting and communicating with uh, facilities here that I can use in Ukraine. And it is actually a great amount of great facilities in Ukraine because it's a traditional and beautiful art here to be used, clay sculptures. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually the fun part is uh, we have had houses in the 19th century that made of clay. It's called Mazanka. And I just had uh, a trip to the village um, somewhere like near the, the capital where we lived in this kind of Mazanka. And uh, the house is, has no corners. So it's like a flaw, flawless building with, uh, with a roof made from reeds. So it's inside, it's always chill. You never get hot inside. It's incredible. Like um, it gave me a lot of inspiration for my new ideas for the next paintings as well. That's amazing. And are you challenged obtaining materials to create? Um, it does feel, yes, challenging. After I moved back from London to Ukraine in 2015, I found myself, you know, like a little bit sad because I don't have my gray paper. I don't have uh, my variety of pastels that I usually have when I work in England or when I travel. So right now I have to be a little bit more careful, kind of when I work, so I don't overuse the material that I know that is going to run out soon. So I try to order in bulks uh, with the shipping to Ukraine as well. It takes a few months sometimes to, to receive the materials. But uh, I got used to the logistics and um, you know the challenges that appear. They don't really matter that much it's uh, it's a challenge i like to overcome them but in general the living situation like having my own studio in kiev and uh, living in ukraine has been beneficial for me 
because if I were to stay in London, <laughs> I sometimes think about like this, you know, like hypothetical. If I stayed there, I might have potentially just ended up working as a textile designer in a fashion brand. And probably would take me decades to realize that I just want to be in fine art and I want to be a painter completely. Like um, when I moved to Ukraine, I had to slow down so much and I had to look inside of myself so deep that I found these answers quicker. So reconnecting with my own identity, kind of my own individuality, it was crucial here. Yeah, I don't, I feel it's, I'm in the right space, you know, right now. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. And what does your workspace look like? Look and feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, feels amazing. <laughs> Safe space, <laughs> finally. Um, <laughs> sometimes I have uh, muses too that comes into my studio and I paint them. And they feel safe as well uh, to go nude and pose for me, to feel comfortable in their own body. We talk as well about the relationship with our own bodies while I paint them. It's like a renewable energy in the space all the time. Right now I'm renting a studio in the historical part of the town. Uh, It's called Golden Gate. It was actually the entrance to the capital before. And uh, I rent a studio. It has a beautiful view and you know, the prices as well here are much more cheaper than in New York. So I can afford a bigger space than I would potentially afford as well in New York. This gives me a lot of the time to, it's a privilege as well. I am so grateful for all the time that I have on this earth to think, to reflect, (laughs) to communicate with other people, with myself and push it forward towards my art. And every time it gets more and more exciting when I come back to studio and I start actually spending more and more time there. Because I feel it's like part of me, becoming a very big part of me. Mm-hmm. What do you enjoy most about being a visual artist? Being a visual artist is challenging, <laughs> for sure. Uh, it's a little bit, can be feel, felt sometimes uh, pressured because maybe people feel that you need to tell the truth. But at the end of the day, we're just the communicator between, between times So the time comes, I communicate my thoughts through reflecting them on the canvas and then times changes and I communicate in another way on next matter. Um, But I love to be a visual artist. Otherwise, I would potentially just be maybe a dancer (laughs) because I loved to dance when I was younger. That's That's a nice career choice also. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you're painting, do you ever think about who your audience is? Mm, I know somehow for, from the energy that most of them are women. And uh, a lot of women commun- communicate with me on social media. And we talk about art in general or about the relationship with our own bodies. Um, especially when I work on the canvas or on the sculpture, it's instinctively, it comes from within, you know, so the, actually the mind shut downs completely and it's like a meditative process. And, um, before and after always think about other people, about women, about our situation in the society, how the stereotypes are brought on our bodies, how 
someone dictates how we should behave or how we should, uh, you know, call our comfort zone and how we should um, interact with each other. So this all is interesting discussion that I have with women around the world. I think that brings a lot of energy to the final piece as well. Interesting. And what do you feel is the purpose of art? Um, such universal and magical component. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yes, it can bring so many people together and on an unexpectedly deep level with, with um, muses um, that I encountered to work for the past few months. I had a project with 45 women who sent incredible photographs of themselves to me and we shared this um, moment together and I painted them. That was this moment of a deep unexpected connection that we had. Um, for example, also, I really uh, like the four sculptures that Wangechi Mutu created for the Metropolitan Museum a few years ago. It's, uh, I think they were called uh, The New Ones Will Free Us. And I feel like all these new ones are also reflected on the energy that uh, we can share together. It will be like, um, how can I explain in, in English? <laughs> so like uh, an immediate safety that we feel between each other. So how those four women that she created were guarding the Metropolitan Museum and how they were reflecting the sun towards the audience. I feel sometimes this is a purpose of art. So we feel, we fill ourselves with emotions of other people, with stories, with um, cultural connection between people, and then we share it back. So we like reflect the sun towards the audience. I like that. Thank you. And what are, what are you excited about now? I'm excited about a lot of things, actually. Um, Good. Yeah, which <laughs> is which is great because I, I I'm sometimes very melancholic person and I like to stay alone and you know <laughs> just think about things sometimes overthink. <laughs> um, so what I am excited is uh, the stories that I try to share right now. They become personal, but also they reflect on. Uh, the experience uh, of other people and my own experience within the world. So it is a new dimension to me um, to deepen my knowledge in some specific, um, in some specific concepts. So I'm very excited to learn more and talk to other people, you know, dig deeper in the knowledge because I didn't have art historian um, studies and I didn't have like a, um, artistic upbringing in terms of um, academic one. Um, so that is interesting to deepen my knowledge into more art history, I think, and to connect uh, the thoughts that are running in my head and the rushing and put them together, you know, somehow in the beautiful way. <laughs> I think you may have answered this question already, but I'm going to ask it. Mm -hmm. how, how has your practice changed over the years? It changed... I would say dramatically because uh, within the five years after graduation from the university, I stopped being involved in the fashion industry completely and I moved towards fine art. So it was a very as well smooth uh, drive, <laughs> didn't really push too much. It just came organically. 
And one of the reasons why it happened is because I think I was in Ukraine. So I had time to capture the exact feelings that I had and think about them, what I actually want to do. So in the studios uh, before, I used to have a lot of anxiety and panic attacks. So that limited my time in the studio. I could come to the space and work only for a few hours. But uh, for the past two years, it grew from two hours to eight hours. So, and I feel much more calm and in, um, in a very good balance with my body and my mind. So it gives me more energy and uh, yeah, time to work on what I love to do. So actually taking care of yourself was a good idea at some point. <laughs> so when will the title of a work enter the process? So the title enters, uh, sometimes it comes in exact moment of experiencing the uh, voila moment. I don't know, <laughs> like boom, the idea is here and the title is already there. And I know it's going to be called, for example, a distorted reality. I had this painting and vision and um, it just were there. So no question asked from me. I was just, I just had to do it, you know, <laughs> they were not asking me. <laughs> And uh, the other one was really interesting because recently this work was, works on paper that you like uh, with the dry pastel. Um, I went to this village and um, I took the reference uh, video of myself where I placed my body, nude body, in the nature. And I found this swing in the village and um, I made a few references on the swing which uh, ended up being a painting that my father called Mavka. And Mavka is a uh, creature from Ukrainian folklore from poem. And uh, she's a creature of a forest. She um, lives in the forest, protects the forest, nurture it. And then she kind of uh, calls um, male characters inside the forest. And I think potentially she has to kill them. But... <laughs> Like, uh, you're not allowed to break, you know, the harmony of the forest eventually. But uh, Mavka led me to deepen my research into the author we have here is a great poetess, Ukrainian, Lesa uh, Ukrainka. And she wrote The Forest Song, um, which was a beautiful, beautiful drama that... Uh, is still alive and people are going to the theater to watch uh, the um, performance, which I did <laughs> a few weeks ago. And uh, it brought up a lot of energy for the next and the next paintings. So this uh, beautiful flow of ideas, and this is what I potentially love the most, like art makes art. And uh, it's um, an incredible feeling, to be honest. And it, it, it sounds as if your father does understand your work. I think he does, yes. And uh, he has his own opinion on uh, specific paintings and a strong opinion. And um, my mom, she helps me as well a lot into realizing a lot of things that are coming from inside, inside my mind and my feelings. She, she writes as well poetry and uh, she writes uh, stories recently. Mm, which I just dream sometimes to share visually and uh, even, I don't know, make a book of the 
of all pawns that comes through through her because they are incredible. They they reflect on life and on struggle, on pain, on love. Incredible, yeah. Very grateful for my parents. They they inspire me actually a lot. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's great that you have that type of support. Yes, yes. And that yes. you share similar passions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this has been a great conversation. You did mention that you enjoy being alone. How did COVID impact your practice? I started looking more inside me and uh, I, I slowed down so much. I used to run around and not understanding what I feel. So the COVID let me slow down and reconnect with the nature as well because I used to go to the forest uh, every week to walk my dog and uh, I started meditating and doing yoga a lot Um, on me it it created this feeling of connection with myself with my body but also with other people and nature so I think that is why after we came out of the quarantine my paintings they started to have two figures on the canvas I started incorporating um, relationship between women or with our own alter egos, like on the canvas. And now it's like, it's even even more women on the canvas. Right now I'm working on a painting where I think I have like one, two, three, five women <laughs> on one. I'm so excited. <laughs> I look forward to seeing it. So this yep. has been great. And this is my last question. And that is, what do you feel is your role as an artist? I would say... Before I would say, uh, probably start a conversation and evoke emotions. And I used to say that a lot. Mm, To be honest, right now, I feel like I would like to nurture your feelings and I would like to nurture your story and guard your energy. (laughs) For example, working with Muses taught me that it is valuable to to, to trust each other and to, to connect with each other. So I think at the moment, I'm like one of those sculptures uh, from Van Getche Mutu Commission for Metropolitan Museum. I just want to nurture everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, I like to add uh, a little bit of the grotesque feeling to my work and the ugliness that I share in my work. They are these ugly truths of the world, of course, that we encounter. So I don't really just paint fairy tales. I kind of paint maybe the ugly truth sometimes. So I'm going to continue that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for thank what you, so you do. And it's great that you take, uh, you're a real humanitarian. I should say that. would love to be more <laughs> if it's, uh, yeah, it is possible. I would be definitely going towards this direction. Well, thank you. And it's been great talking to you. Thank you, Phyllis, for having me. It's such an honor. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.